Well, good morning. Welcome to week four of Heart for the House. Uh, we've been traveling through this series for the last few weeks, and um, we've week one we looked at the theology of the church and what makes up the church. Uh, and the big idea that we sort of landed on on week one was that Jesus loves his church, and we're called to become Christ-like. We become, we're called to um, to love what Jesus loves, and so in 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 doing so, our heart and our love for the church needs to grow. Uh, it's easy to love God because he's perfect, and um, but it's hard sometimes to love the church because the church is made up of people like you and me, and um, we're sinful, and we do the wrong thing sometimes. So um, our, our heart for the house is... Is a, is a harder thing to, to grow, but something that's it's much needed. Um, we should love what Jesus loves, and he loves his church. He died for it. And um, the second week, we built on this idea that love leads to commitment. When you love something, you commit yourself to it. When you love someone, you commit yourself to them. Uh, and likewise, when we love the church, we commit ourselves to it. Commitment leads to action. And um, action... Uh, embraces this idea that uh, we believe that God can use us as we are. And Pastor Jackie preached a great message last Sunday on this idea that God uses us as we are. Despite our shortcomings, despite what we think about ourselves, God wants to use us in his house, in his church, uh, for good purposes and to reach people. And this week, we're going to land on this idea of generosity, what it means to to not just be committed, not just use our actions, but be generous with all that we have and all that we are. And I want to read a passage uh, to, to start us off in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 to 9. It says this, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to also I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning and we thank you that it is alive, it's active. God, that it's able to speak to our hearts, to change us from the inside out. And God, we pray that as we um, think about this idea of generosity and what it means to be generous with our time and our money, God, that you would, um, you would lead us in your truth and you would lead us in your ways. God, we don't want to respond to you out of guilt or shame, but we want to respond um, out of a love for you and out of a desire to serve you. And so, God, we pray that you would do this, do that for us and in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. don't know if you can remember um, your first job. I imagine most people can remember their first job. 
Uh, my first job was uh, at a local shop here just in sale um, at Super Cheap Auto. I was part of the original team that um, saw the, the, the opening of the store and sale. It's since moved from its original location into a, into a new shop. But I remember, I think it was back when I was about 14, nine months, just as soon as I could get a job, I was um, trying to get one. And I suppose when you're that, that age, it's, um, it's, uh, it's a good, good, good start to get a, a retail job. You're pretty cheap to employ, I suppose. And, um, but nevertheless, got a job and loved the idea of earning my own money. And um, when I first started, I was only working a few hours a week, probably only six or eight hours a week and being paid at whatever it was, $3 an hour, I'm sure it was a little bit more than that, but it wasn't much, I wasn't earning um, a whole lot, but I remember um, the excitement or the anticipation of when I first started earning my own money, the, the first thing I wanted to do was work out what that 10% uh, amount was so I could start tithing and giving um, every Sunday and every, every time I was at church. Um, I'd seen my parents do it. I'd seen the church around me do it. And uh, something that was just deeply ingrained in me is this idea that I want to start um, start being generous with what I have. And I think it's a really important first principle to understand that generosity doesn't start when you're rich. Generosity starts with what you have. Generosity doesn't start when you're rich. Generosity starts with what you have. If you look at this passage in 2 Corinthians 8 and Paul's appealing to the, the Corinthian church and using Macedonia as a, as a bit of a, an example, he's, he says in verse 3 to 5, here, I want you to listen to these words again, I can testify that they not only gave what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. You know, where we give first, we serve most. Where we give first, we serve most. More than they could afford. This was the Macedonian church way. You know, this idea that giving requires faith. If we just give what we can afford, it does. there's no element of faith involved. But there's also this sense that it was of their own free will, that it was their choice. 2 Corinthians 9, the next chapter, um, repeats this idea that we're to give what's decided in our own heart, that we're to give to God first and not last. We're to set aside the first part of what we earn for God. And in that way, we are generous in the way God wants us to be when we give to, give to him first. Jesus talks about giving a whole lot through um, his time and his ministry on earth. And I want to read one passage in Matthew 6, um, where he mentions this idea of giving, uh, giving your, your money or not, or not relying on money. And so in verse 19 to 24 of Matthew 6, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth more, sorry, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other 
or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, Jesus talks so much about money, perhaps more than anything else he talked about. And I think we have a problem as a, as a church and um, as Christians because our culture has a warped idea on money and the church. Some for good reason, some for maybe not so good. And so it makes it a difficult task to talk about money and giving without it being misunderstood or without people hearing, um, hearing something that it's not about. You know, the truth is that at this church, we've got budgets, we've got bills, and it's easy to get into the trap of saying we need money to keep the church functioning. And in some sense we do, um, but in a real sense we, we don't need anything. God's church will move forward regardless of how much or if you give at all. You know, God's church is not dependent on you or me and what we give. And so the motivation to give money is not so that God's church will flourish or prosper or move forward, but rather we are encouraged and um, challenged to give so that it, money doesn't become our master. And there's a big difference. I can give money away when it's my servant, but when it's my master, I want to look at money and I want to hold it tight. And I want to do that because money promises um, certain things which only God can provide. When I have money as my master, I'm hoping it's going to give me security. I'm hoping it's going to give me freedom. I'm hoping it's going to give me power. And I'm hoping it's going to give me significance. And Jesus in his teaching talks about money because he knows it has the potential to so easily become our God. It's easy to get caught up budgeting, planning, dreaming, investing, saving, because the desire for these things, security, freedom, power, and significance, is so strong in us. Now, these things aren't bad. You know, budgets are good. Uh, we have a church budget. Planning is good. We've got plans. Dreaming is good. We love to dream. Investing is good. Saving is good. But the motivation for these, what is the motivation? If the motivation is for more security, if the motivation is for more freedom or for more power or more significance, then money has become our master. Money has become our God. And it's a hard question for most of us to honestly answer because in our culture, especially coming up to election time, money and what it can do for you is in front of us constantly. It's constantly put up as a God. But money can never give you the security, freedom, power or significance your heart really desires. So Jesus says, give it away. Live with generosity. Live like money isn't your master and live like God is. Some people say, put your money where your mouth is. I reckon a, a good way to think about it is put your money where your faith is. Put your money where your faith is. When we say we have faith in God, but don't trust him with our money, our faith is not in him, but in our money. We are effectively serving money and not God. So put your money where your faith is. There is not only Jesus' talk of money through the Gospels, but through the epistles. It continues with stories of greed and warnings against it. Colossians 3 verse 5 is one example of this, where Paul says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Some 20 or more references, and most of the time, 
It's in the list with the sexually impure, with the murderers. And we like to jump up and down about these things. But we don't always jump up and down about greed. And maybe it's because we don't think we're greedy. Or maybe it's because we know we are. I'm not sure. And I don't think many of us would admit or think that we are greedy people. came across this quote this week by Tim Keller, who's a, a preacher in, out of the States, and he says, Nobody thinks they're greedy. Nobody. In all my years as a minister, I've heard almost every kind of confession. Nobody has ever come to me and said, I spend too much money on myself. Nobody has ever done that. But here is what I want you to consider. If Jesus talks about greed and materialism 10 or 20 times more than he talks about other things, and he says that nobody ever thinks they're doing it, then we should start with the working hypothesis that it is probably a problem for me. Isn't that a humbling thought? It's probably a problem for me. Greed is a bigger problem, it seems, than any other. Greed is a problem because its effect is not only those who miss out on the generosity, but the greedy person misses out on full surrender to God. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, Brad, I, I give my 10% or I, I give more than that. But that's not really the point. Because God's not after a percentage. He's after all of us. He's after our hearts. He's after our full surrender. And so we look back at this passage that we began with in 2 Corinthians 8. Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and he points to another church in Macedonia as an example of what generosity means. Firstly, it's giving in the midst of hard times and troubles. Generosity doesn't start when you're rich. Generosity starts with what you have. It'd be easy to be generous if you earned a million dollars, right? I mean, Bill Gates is generous, right? He's giving away millions and millions of dollars a year. Bill Gates is also earning $10 million every day. And so it's easy to give away millions when you're earning millions. He still lives in a house worth, last I checked, $130 million or more. And so it's easy to say he's generous, but still living with millions of dollars is pretty easy to do, I imagine. If we give God what we've just got left over, and that happens to be a million dollars because we earn $10 million in a day, that's not generous. That's not, the, that's not the heart that God's after. If you earned an extra $10,000 each year, what would that change in your generosity? If you worked five hours less per week or had an extra five hours per week in whatever duties you do each week, what would that change in the amount you serve and give back with your time? You might think, well, when I have more money, I'll be more generous. Or when I have more time, I'll be more generous to give it away. But these things don't start when you have a lot. They start when you have a little. 2 Corinthians 8, let's have a look at some of these verses again. Verses 1 to 2. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that what God in his kindness has done to the church in Macedonia... They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But they also are filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. The Macedonian church was being pointed out because they understood this. Generosity comes from a position of surrender, despite the circumstance. It's putting God first today, 
not one day, but now. And secondly, it's giving more than you can afford, not in an unwise way, but in a way that demonstrates faith in God. Verse 3 goes on and says, For I can testify that they not only gave what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. And then in verses 4 and 5, it talks about this gift. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did what more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Now, this idea of gift um, through Corinthians has a, a different meaning. It's the same word as what Paul uses when he's talking about the, the body made up of believers and there's gifts and spiritual gifts and one person has this gift and one person has that gift. And so it has this um, dual meaning. It's, it's a gift in the sense that they gave their money as in like a gifted their money, but it's a gift in the sense it's a spiritual gift too, as in it comes from God. It's, an, it's a God-enabled gift. It's not something we can just do in our own strength, but it's, um, it's God-inspired. It's not a man-made, works-based, you know, twisting God's arm type gift, but it's something that is from God and for God. It's in response to God. Verses 8 and 9 um, is where Paul lands that idea. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this. That's very important for us to understand. It's not a command, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And that idea of becoming rich is not rich in material wealth, but rich in abundant life, forgiveness, life with God forevermore. That's ultimate richness salvation so here's the bottom line it's not a command but it's a response to god's love we don't give so that we get something from god because we've already got from god what we will all already have god gives us his grace freely and he says in response to that you will surrender your life you'll give everything back to me not so they'll give you more but because i've already given you everything 1 john 4 verse 19 says we love because he first loved us. God loved you so much that he didn't give you just some money, but he gave you everything he had. He gave you his life. And our response to that is nothing short of what he first gave us. We give him everything back. All we have is God, not just a percentage. God doesn't say, I want just 10% of your heart. I want just a tithe of your heart. He says, I want everything. I want you to turn and follow me with all you have. So the challenge with this series and today is having this heart for the house. And it starts with love. Love moves us to commitment. And commitment believes that God will use us no matter what. And God uses us through our generosity. Our love drives us to commitment faith and generosity to God's church. In the next chapter, um, in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is continuing this theme of what it means to give, what it means to financially contribute to the, to the church. And he says this, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided 
in his heart. Not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. The reality is we have a a generous, faithful church. SBC is not stingy. Um, We don't keep our hands in our pocket. We give generously with our time and our money. And so this message in this series is not about, come on, we're doing a bad job. But more, it's just a reminder that as we live our lives the way God wants us to, we give him everything. We surrender fully to him. We give of ourselves sacrificially. You know, for those that are new, um, especially maybe you guys here in Yarram, we paid off our building debt um, in some 11 years. Some $800,000 debt we paid off in 11 years through an incredible act of generosity. And that was more than a decade ago. And so now our challenge is moving forward as a church. We currently have um, a budget figure of 7,742 per week. And our actual giving is sitting at around 6,682. Around $1,000 short each week. And this will have significant impacts going forward, which is okay, because God will continue to use us regardless of the amount that comes in per week. But I, I believe God's calling us to more. There's always more work to be done. There's always more opportunities to reach more people with the gospel. You know, what we're doing here in Yarm is a great start, but I think there's more that we could do. And this comes on the back of generous people, giving generously their time and their money. So the question and the challenge today, maybe as the team gets back up in sale, and if we'll, we'll see, see you guys here or not, as the team gets back up in sale um, and sing uh, another couple of songs, I want to ask you, when was the last time you decided in your heart what God wanted you to give? You know that verse that we just read in 2 Corinthians 9, each person should do as he has decided in his heart. When was the last time you decided in your heart what you were going to give back to God, how you were going to give first to him, in both the sense of your money and your time? And so on the seats um, where you're sitting, or maybe in front of you, you're going to see these little slips of paper. And for the last two years... um, since COVID, we haven't passed buckets down rows and, and, done, and taken up an offering. We've encouraged people to give online, and which has been fantastic. We've um, really transitioned well to an, an online giving church, which is fantastic. But I think one of the things we miss by not passing the buckets around is this idea of having it just in front of us for, for a moment each Sunday as a part of our worship of giving to God. Um, we have giving cards. We don't have it here yet, but I think we've got some in sale. There are some white cards. And so each week, I encourage you to, to grab one of those giving cards if you give online. As we start to reintroduce putting the buckets through on a, in a normal service, to grab one of those white cards and take a moment to say, you know what, I'm giving my offering if you give online. Just a symbolic gesture um, to, to decide to give, to be intentional about what you're giving. And so these slips of paper, as we um, pass the buckets around in a moment, say, I'm deciding to be generous in my gift to God by giving to him first. And so I only want you to put these in and and take a moment to prayerfully consider if that's your commitment this morning. 
Now, maybe you're a part of another church and you're deciding to give there. That's fine. I'm not saying this is your decision to, to give to Sale Baptist. But what I'm saying is, when are you deciding this morning to be generous in your gift to God, in your time and your money, by giving to him first? Not giving the leftovers, but giving what is what first comes in. And if you want to make that commitment and that decision, I encourage you just to, to take a moment during these last couple of songs to, to put this in the bucket and to say to God, you know what, I am going to decide to do this. I am going to decide to be generous and to, to give first. Because I think there's something powerful when we fully surrender our hearts to him. So I'm going to pray as the team starts to, um, to get ready and, and we, we get the buckets ready to pass through. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your generous gift towards us. God, we thank you that you are a good God who gives good gifts. God, for you make us rich through your salvation, through the life of Jesus, through his resurrection. And God, we want to give in response to that love, to your first act, God. We want to give back to you, not out of compulsion, not out of guilt, but God, freely, we want to decide in our hearts to, to live with an open hand, saying, use what we have, use our time, use our money to further your kingdom and to do your work and to ultimately change our hearts. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. And we pray that you might continue to use SBC for uh, amazing things going forward. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.